dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Solomon winds up, just throws this one up for grabs, and it's grabbed by Sidney Jones. Jones running, and Jones finally taken down by Nick Wilson. First interception of the game thrown by Solomon and a flag on the play. Welcome back to the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetters. Breaking news. Breaking news. And uh, tight end, defensive end, Hunter Bryant. Is that right? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But <laughs> stay tuned. We got some stuff going on. But in the meantime, <laughs> we're going to delay our uh, we're going to delay our recruiting spotlight because down the hall we found a guy who was doing his national show and one of my favorite all time guys out of Morris High School. There you go. In San Diego, California. It just loves the weather so much up here better than San Diego. Absolutely, without a doubt. Big Lincoln Kennedy. <laughs> you know what? I saw you a few years ago, and you were a very large man. You I, were, I, I, I was a very large man. I'm no longer a very large man. Well, you kind of look like you're doing what Nate Robinson was doing, getting back in football shape. Well, you look like you can play. Are you looking for a comeback? No, no. <laughs> By no stretch of the imagination, Kim. Absolutely not. You look it great. Is, thank you very much. It's a young man's game, and I'm perfectly content with letting these young men play it. How big are you? 6'7", uh, about 360. Okay. Are you bigger than Trey Adams? I don't. No, Trey Adams is six eight, isn't he? Six, if I'm eight, not mistaken, six, eight and a half, yeah, yeah, say uh, something like that. So I'm not really sure uh, if I am, I, but standing next to some of the guys, that, of course, I look bigger than most guys just because of the girth as well. A lot of these, well, a lot of the young college guys are tall and lanky. Yeah, you know what I mean. So we'll see. Hey Kim, yeah. just interrupt real quick because this is the Lincoln Kennedy effect in full effect. You oh, now announce what you want to. Announce. There we go. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can just, he, he just, he just, tweeted, he just it. tweeted it out. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Kim. Hunter Bryant, tight end, defensive end from Eastside Catholics, committed to University of Washington. That's a big Ooh, get for them. Good. He's a really good. Yeah. Really a good. Ton of big there. offers too. Yeah. Ton nice. of big offers. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, tell us what you're doing today. You're working for the Pac. Working with the Pac-12 Network, covering the uh, spring. Well, it's not long called the spring game. What is it called? Spring event. Spring event. Yeah. Spring practice with the scrimmage. Uh, But working with the Pac-12 Network, and so heading over to the stadium now. uh, And, and, you know, of course, they also, what uh, has become a little bit of a tradition over the last couple years since Coach Pete's had the job, is he's brought back a lot of the alumni. Who'd you see so, last night? Oh, who didn't I see? I mean, <laughs> who'd you see? There was Mario and Co- Coach Randy Hart came up. He's recently retired. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was my first coach here at UW. Uh, Keith Gilbertson was there. Coach Pete and his staff, all of the players. Travis Feeney, Feeney, the, yeah. the players uh, from last year, a number of the players. Uh, Bishop Sankey. I saw Bishop Mario. I saw the rep- well represented by a number of generations from the '60s, '70s, and of course to now. From a guy who played when the track was there and yeah. the old weight room. Till what, what, I mean, when you first saw that new stadium, I was in awe because I had never seen anything as magnanimous or as gla- glamorous as that. Now I've heard about some of the other facilities, but when you walk through that stadium, you walk through that sort of locker room area. You know, when I first came to UW, the bottom of Graves was our weight room. You know what I mean? We had a very slim, slim, there wasn't much of a weight room. Then they expanded it to the big one, and I thought we were really, you know, we were the cat's meow there. Hey, Kim, I got two questions mm-hmm. for him. First first question is, do you think, uh, and I know you have to keep up with the, the facilities and everything Certainly. like that, do you think it makes players softer? And I'm not trying to get you to badmouth the new generation no, of football no, players. No, 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 no. Here, look, here's the thing. It's a difference in philosophy. I will say this. 
I've been in, I've, I've heard, I've sat in a lot of recruiting conversations where people, you know, kids are being recruited. And I, and I know for a fact that some of the questions off of these kids' minds are how many times you're on TV, how many different uniforms you're going to wear, you know, what are the chances I'm going to go to the next level? Heck, down in the SEC, they practice it because they're no longer talking about the ethics of education. They're talking about we put more players in the league last year than any other SEC school. So three years, you're out. You know what I mean? So when you talk about softer, it's just a different philosophy. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's different now than it was, say, back in my time. I, I guess I'm just looking at do you think they're as hungry to be great nowadays? I think they're, they, you get spoiled yeah. a little bit more with some of the amenities you Definitely. see. But I also think it's also a necessary evil mm-hmm. because if you're behind the time. You have to keep up. You can't yeah. keep up. I remember I remember specifically one time we went to Oregon State. We sat in the locker room on a row of benches, and there were sawhorses that was our locker room. <laughs> there was, there was, there was t- tall sawhorses with, with nails screwed. That was your locker room. That's what you got dressed in. And I was like, what the heck? This is Division One. Lincoln Kennedy with us, by the way. Did you ever have to play on that nasty turf down at Oregon? It was like yes. sand. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> what do you remember? The first time, first, well, what I remember is getting pelted in the helmet with a, a bag of dog food with a battery in it. So <laughs> that's what I remember first and foremost. Well, but yeah, that was Oregon. Hey, Oregon Kim, there's one other question I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. When you come up, you've come up for several alumni events, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who are some of your favorite Huskies to talk? And I know it's going to be 1990, yeah. 91 guys, right? But Talk to me about some of the guys you didn't play with that you like to hear from. Well, you know, I like to hear from guys in the 70s and the 80s. I like to hear, like to hear from a lot of the guys on that 85 Orange Bowl team. Yeah. Because, you know, you talk about it. And last night I got a chance to meet, uh, meet some of the, the, the guys uh, from, the, the, from the 60s National Championship team. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there are guys where you, I, you stand on the shoulders of all those guys that came before us, all those great Huskies. And you just try to hold up the brand. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you try to pass the torch to the young ones. So seeing a mixture in generations, I don't know what the final number is, but i got to say we had well over 100 former players in there. Wow. Hey, Lincoln, real, real quick, mm-hmm. you, you talk, we talked a little bit off the air before you came on about the, maybe the connections between Chris Peterson and Don James. Everyone, all the Washington fans want to believe that Chris Peterson has the same maybe philosophy or the same – uh, kind of things about him as a as a head man that maybe he can extend the legacy that Don James created, and it sounds like there's some there are definitely some some crossover there. Without a doubt, because to me, Coach Pete is one of those guys that a wants to be here and wants to have the best players on the field, and they're not talking about all the fluff, all the glamour, the glitz. Not talking about the notoriety that we've seen some other coaches want to have. B, he's also ethically trying to stand up for the guys and make them stand up for themselves. So you talk about his, you know, built the life uh, formula. Don James had a lot of that. He wanted you to concentrate on school. He wants you to concentrate on being a decent young man, being respectful to people around you, and more importantly, being the best that you can be on the football field. And that's what they, that's what we work towards. So on the tail end of his career, his coaching career, um, I got a chance first and foremost. He didn't talk to me the first three years I was at UW after being on a part of the recruiting trail because that just wasn't his way. I'm not saying that Coach Pete is like that. He's a little bit more hands-on than coaching from the tower. But Don James had that that in, that sort of aura about um, you have to deserve to approach me in a sense, you know what I mean, and you have to earn it. And, and I think that's what Coach Pete is trying to tell the players. If you want to be a part of this team, you got to earn it. 
Don't take anything for granted. You're not just focusing on Washington. You are an analyst for the Pac-12 network. Yeah. Uh, what's it look like? What do you think for the rest of the conference? Who, who do you like so far? Well, the thing is, is that I'm hoping that, you know, Washington has the fortune of being able to have a quarterback that threw for almost 3,000 yards as a freshman, which is a good one, having a Miles Gaskin, a running back. But we're, we're awfully thin at other positions. So we've got to see if we're, we'll find out how the receiving core is going to turn out. Washington State's pretty good. Oregon's probably going to take a couple steps back as they try to find the next one to carry the torch. I like Washington's chances, uh, especially knowing seeing what their defense is able to do. I got to ask. I, oh, I got, the thing I want to see most in the first couple of games, how hungry are they? Do they get a little content when these young men start reading their own press clippings? Or are they still say hungry? What's going on down in L.A. with USC and UCLA? Is... Oh, it's a glamour fest. It always <laughs> it's is. It's a glamour fest. It is. It, it is. That's what USC is. It, you know, I think the, the USC is one of those places that I've always said is a football factory. They're always, always going to be viable because they go two, three deep at every position. Yeah. So they're going to be viable. It, whether or not UCLA can you know, surpass them or anything like that is left to anyone's, uh, any, any, anyone's guess. But USC is always going to be viable, so you can't count them out. You know, I, I say that you know, the worst thing to happen to Los Angeles sports was the L.A. Lakers showtime because I think it breds a look-at-me attitude, showtime attitude. But it, it seems like a lot of selfishness a lot of the time down there, not only from the players, but, boy, it just seems like everybody's got a little entourage and input from everybody But that's L.A. as a whole. Yeah. That's the entire city. That's the yeah. entire feeling of Southern California. It's all about the Hollywood, look at me shine. I mean, that's what you do. You, you go down there to be a star. You, you drive a $50,000 BMW and share a one-bedroom apartment Certainly. with four guys. Certainly. Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> On the football You're field. You're living the life. Well. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly how it works. So, yeah. Uh, how's yeah. Yogi doing, by the way? Doing pretty good. He's doing pretty well. He's, you know, he's, he's the man of the Pac-12 because he's doing all these odd jobs of, you know, everybody kind of has their spring games around the same time, so... I think Oregon State was uh, most recently he was down in Corvallis. He came up and did some interviews for, for the Pac-12. Uh, and, of course, uh, J.T. Rogan is going to be out there doing the sideline for today. I'm doing it uh, in the booth with J.P. Long. Uh, but it should be a good broadcast. When you come back up to Seattle, is there a place that you always hit? Because when we talk to Shane Palcoa, Shane says he goes from the airport to Dick's and orders three double-doubles. I had I mean, my Dick's last night. <laughs> you were at Dick's? I what, went to Dick's what, last night. What you – Two, you double, two, two deluxes and a fry and a strawberry shake. That's not as much as Shane has. I, look, dude, I, you want me to get big again? You want me to get huge again? Come on now. Hey, Kim, real, real quick. I was, and again, we're kind of swirling here with the with the Hunter Bryant stuff. But um, I just, I don't know if you touched on this, but when you are doing the broadcast or when you were doing your prep, what what are you? What are the main things that you're looking for from this team right now? What are you? What are the questions that you want answered today? I want to see the defense stay hungry. It's hard to, and I've said this many a times, it's hard to get a feel, a true feel from a practice because everything is scripted. So you want, to bring, you want your guys to have success. I want to see Jake, Jake Browning take more command, not only a huddle, his presence in the huddle, but walk into the line and being able to pre-recognize the defense. I want to see that, that maturation mm-hmm. that you often look for out of a young quarterback. I want to see this offensive line with these big boys on the ends come off more. And still their thoughts upon the other guys. Now, conversely, you're going up against a pretty darn doggone good defense. So I want to make sure these young defensive guys don't start reading too many of their press clippings and think that, well, we can just show up and we're going to do it because it doesn't work that way. I I don't see that happening, the the attitude they bring. And and as I I don't, but again, it's so hard to take from practice. See, the thing is, Mm -hmm. this this day, and of course I love it because it's given me a job, everything's everything's shown. Everything is televised. There's no secrets. There's nothing you can keep behind closed doors. So with that being said, 
I know I'm not going to see a lot out of either offense or defense today. It's going to be extremely vanilla yeah. because you don't want to put it on film. And obviously, even in your day, I mean, football's always been such a violent game. But now it's really become a collision game and a, instead of a contact game. It really is. Yes and no. To, to some extent, the spread has disdained it because it's, you know, for the most part, offensive linemen aren't made to block out of the spread. They're just made to get in the way, hinder. Right. There's a difference there. Yeah, my, my only reason I, I prefaced it by saying that is I was wondering what your take was on, in general, on teams getting away from having a quote-unquote spring game. I mean, you, you were like, what is it now? We don't even know what it is. It's I don't, practice. Yeah, I don't – see, I, the, the only bad part about it, and this is my whole football conversation in general, how can you practice your craft if you can't do what you're supposed to do on game day? If you're a baseball player, a power hitter, and somebody said you can't take batting practice, how are you going to practice your craft? If you're a basketball player and you can't shoot free throws or practice your shot, how are you going to practice your craft? As an offensive lineman, I'm made to withstand the defensive pressure, the defensive lineman coming up against me. If I can't do it in contact, how am I going to harness my craft? Am I just going to wave my hands? Hey, stop. I'm here in front of you. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. And so when you take the contact out of the sport, you're doing yourself a terrible disservice because you can't train the sport. You have to prepare the body to accept somebody who's equally your size, your stature, or maybe even bypass you to be able to withstand that. Yeah. And so you don't feel like necessarily just the offseason stuff. It, it's not enough. I don't think it's enough. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think it's enough. I think there's got to be other ways. But importantly, for me, I've always thought that football was a way to separate it. It's not for everybody. And you can't do it. I, you, to me, you're not going to be a better football player if you do PX90 training. Got one final question. We appreciate you coming in, but yeah. I got one final question. I asked big number 90 this last year on the sidelines. I uh-huh. want to get your answer to this. Back in the day when you guys played, what would have happened? Can you even imagine having an iPhone with a camera and being able to take video? What would have happened if the whole time <laughs> look at his eyes? Can you imagine? No. DJ would have made us check him out the door. Without a doubt. He would check him out the door. You would put everything at the door. Oh. Because he was never he was never a coach, and all these coaches under him would not allow bulletin board material. Twitter. No. No. <laughs> You don't need a Twitter account. You don't. You know. You don't. No. No. Can you imagine? Would Don James have a Twitter account? Absolutely not. But somebody in the PR department would say they were Don James and would communicate for him. But he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, the two guys. Uh, the guys that I can. The, the one guy, uh, Clifford and Hoffman. Can you imagine right. them with camera phones? No. You kidding me? <laughs> no. No. Not. No. 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 Just. It, it's not. It, it's so different now. Yeah. And the, the attitude of the athlete, the person that that comes with it, is so different now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Are you up in the booth? Or are you going to be on the sideline? I'll be in today? the booth. You know, JT Rogan's going to be on the sideline, so I'm going to be up in the booth. So I'm going to go up there and, uh, and get ready. Right, because uh, we should be going pretty soon. Does he know it's going to rain a little bit later? I think you come to Seattle expecting it. <laughs> You're more surprised when it doesn't. I love Seattle. Trust me, I love the Pacific Northwest. And and uh, if I could have convinced my wife a long time ago to come up here and trade in 300 days of sunshine because she's a California girl for. 300 days of gloom, I would be up here, but I can't. <laughs> she, she would have loved it earlier this week. Oh, I, oh no, no. That, see, that's that's the thing. I heard about it. I heard yeah. about it, and then all of a sudden the game comes, or I'm coming to town, and yeah. here comes the rain. <laughs> and just what have you got going uh, over the over the summer? I know you're going to be doing a lot of stuff for the Pac-12 Network. Have you got stuff going over the summer, and you're going to be back with the Pac-12 Network for the doing fall? Doing the Pac-12 Network for the fall and also doing my, my Fox Sports Radio gig, uh, the national, and that's on every Saturday. And um, I'm also doing the, the radio uh, for the Raiders, so – Next weekend, I'm going. We're doing a little ambassadorship in Mexico City for the Oakland Raiders. They're playing the Houston Texans this year, 
in Mexico City. So we're going down there for the draft, and day three of the draft will be in Mexico City. You're good on the radio, Lane. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're really good, and you're good. I love you on the Pac-12 Network, and I'm not just saying that. You're interesting to listen to. Well, thank you. I always say that anybody can talk, Uh but the ability to communicate where people actually listen, that's more difficult, and you do that really, really well. I appreciate it very much. I do. Hey, I appreciate you coming in. My pleasure. Say hi to Big Zach for us. I will. (laughs) I will. (laughs) And I know he'll always love hearing from you guys. And you guys are dropping those those stories. Sounds like, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, the boys are coming back, right? Yeah. Getting yeah. it together. Yeah. I like to hear that. We're yeah. going to call it the Kennedy effect. Uh-oh. <laughs> like Lincoln Kennedy shows up. We're going to commit. Can you yep. come back next week? I will, I'll try to. <laughs> Maybe I'll call in, okay? Uh, <laughs> Lincoln thanks, Kennedy of the Pac-12 Network. He'll be on the air today live, and that event starts at 1230. And uh, Channel 628, for those on yep. Comcast, in HD. Lincoln Kennedy in yep. HD TV. So, um Big commit. Hunter Bryant. Yeah. That's a big time commit. We can just roll right into the spotlight. Yeah. No, just um, Lincoln Kennedy. I mean, <laughs> I, he, he's a big dude. Tony Softley's here, too. Yeah. We might pull Tony in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, Scott will get him over to the microphone. Tell us about Hunter Bryant and how big of a commitment is oh, this for University of it, Washington? It's huge. I mean, he's he's arguably okay. So you got Foster Sorrell. Everybody knows about him, the lineman down in down in uh, Graham Capalison. He's the number one lineman in the country according to Scout.com. Hunter Bryant, Connor Weddington, Seven Ahmed, those guys were right up there. Henry Bainavalu, those are all guys on that neck, just right below Foster as far as being talented and what they can do. Um, Hunter Bryant is about six three, six four. What two hundred and twenty pounds somewhere in that range? I don't have it in front of me. Two twenty five. Two twenty five. Maybe. Um, he he could play big wide. He could be a big wide receiver for you. He could be a tight end. He could. He's going to need to grow a little. You know, add some size, which all kids do when they get to school. So, but I mean, I could see him playing at two hundred and forty, two hundred and forty five pounds, pretty easily, and being a real threat in the middle seam in the intermediate passing game. Huge, huge pickup. He had offers from Penn State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Auburn. I mean, Auburn yeah. came up and offered a kid. When was the last time a kid was offered from Auburn other than, you know, a national okay, guy? I like, can't remember. Yeah, I can't unique remember. athlete. Yes, he is. He he is he is a special-looking kid. Well, and he's also UW through and through. Yeah. His, his, his father. Born and uh, raised. His father worked at UW. He was a trainer. And, 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 yeah, it's just he had a lot of connections Didn't with his Washington. Sis- doesn't his sister go to UW? Maybe. I thought, I, I thought his remember. sister went to UW, too. So, I mean. It, a lot of connections. Yeah. Is connected to the program as I've seen any kid in a long time since probably maybe Casey Williams. And the kid is a winner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's won the last two, two state championships yeah. state and, and probably going to win a third. Comes hey. from the same school as as, as uh, Brandon Wellington. Yep. OKG through and through. Oh, uh, easy. Um, yeah. Great, great family. Yep. Yeah, great is, family. Yep. Is there any chance, because he also plays some defensive end, is mm-hmm. he a 100% offense or is there a chance he could win? From everything I have been told, he is a 100% offense. Yep. From, from a Husky standpoint, he is a 100% and, and I'm not going to throw the cold water on it right away, but USC is the school that he's always talked about. They haven't offered. If he does, if they do offer, who knows? But bottom line is we've seen this time and time again. We can go back, and obviously in your spotlight, we can talk about Marlon Tui-Pelotu, mm-hmm. who made a verbal commitment, another huge get for Washington. But now he's all of a sudden talked about maybe opening things up and taking as, visits when he's talked to other people. But As it, big of a get as Hunter Bryant is for the University of Washington, yeah. Marlon Tui-Pelotu created such waves. Right. Well, and we can talk about that. Yeah. My, my point, but just being that 
the reason why Chris Peterson is really loath to taking early commitments is because of this exact thing. Maintenance. Maintenance. Do it. He wants them to be 100%, 100% in the boat, and, and, they, and they acknowledge that. Like They are literally like, we're not going to take your commitment right now if you're not 100% and you tell us straight up, look in our eyes, you're telling us you're shutting down the process. So I don't expect Hunter Bryant to do anything. I expect him to be 100% committed all the way through. But I'm just letting people know that there is that little crack in the window where he's talked about USC. With before. Hunter Bryant, I think everybody thinks he's a tight end. But I'm hearing a lot of talk that he can just be a really big wide receiver. Yeah, he, yeah and that's kind of what I made made mention of. Well, he's just, a Darrell Daniels type. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Josh Perkins, that's Josh another Perkins, one. Yeah, yeah, guys like that. Josh Perkins came in as a 215-pound wide receiver. Uh, Hunter Bryant's going to sh- – he's already 225. So, I mean, and he's only a junior in high school. He's going to be bigger than that when he shows up. I don't know if he's quite athletic enough, and he is very athletic for a guy his size. I don't know if he's athletic enough to get separation from cornerbacks, from safeties on a consistent basis as a wide receiver. But as a tight end, when he's going to be matched up against linebackers and safeties, it's going to be much easier to do. Recruiting spotlight, Lincoln Kennedy came in. For those who just joined us, uh, Hunter Bryant, the uh, athlete, wide receiver, tight end, defensive end from Eastside Catholic, just committed here within the past half hour. We'll break that down a little bit more. The big commitment of Marlon Tuiapoloto, is that how you pronounce pretty it? Close. Tui- pretty Pelosi. close. Yeah, Tui- you're, you're close. Uh, we've 49451, if you want to text us some more names. We also will break down the defensive side of the ball. Still a lot to go. We're going to try to cram it all in before 11 o'clock. It's the guys from dogman.com. On Sports Radio 950, KJR. The rabid dog fans from dogman.com. Yes! On Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. We tell them, we're trying to make you an NFL player. Let's make no mistakes about it. We're trying to get NFL players here. And I think our coaches are as good as anyone in the business of developing NFL players. But with that being said, we have to keep this thing in perspective. You're here to you're here to get an education. You're here to get better. You're here to win championships at the University of Washington. You have career goals. These kids have football goals, and so we're all about those things. But you just got to keep it in check, and you got to be able to block out the outside noise that is trying to take you down a wrong path. The guys that will take you down the right path are the coaches here. Because we want the same thing you want, but there's a certain way to go about this, and there's a certain mentality to have about it. And that's a fine line. That, of course, is the coach of your Washington Huskies, Coach Peterson. So, it's funny, uh, you know, on something like that where Pete really opens up, he doesn't enjoy dealing with the media a lot, and sometimes he's pretty tight-lipped. But when he opens up, he's really, really good with us. So, uh, good stuff there from Coach Pete. Uh, for those again just tuning in, it's the guys Big from news. Do- it's the guys from Dogman.com. Scott Eklund, our recruiting expert. Chris Fetters, our head 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 guy. And, and what I'm, what are you? I'm just Kim. Uh, no. Just Kim Grinolds. <laughs> the annoying little brother, even though you're older than both. The guy who cuts the checks. Fetters said it best. Yeah. What does Kim do? He cuts the checks. He does everything that we don't we want to. Yeah. We won't do. So <laughs> we don't. We don't want to do. Yeah. yeah. Big news with Hunter Bryant uh, committing to University of Washington out of Eastside Catholic. But uh, we've got some other questions. We still want to break a lot of defensive stuff down too before we skedaddle out of here at eleven o'clock. But mm-hmm. you look like you want to say something. Well, yeah. Uh, Huskies have five commitments currently with Hunter Bryant just adding his name. 
three or four of the commits are four stars. And one is a three star and could very well turn into a four star in Connor Wedding. And those uh four star guys are all top three hundred guys? They are yes. yes, they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So recruiting off to a good start and very good. So start. that makes four commitments? Five. Five? And they're only gonna take so about a third seventeen. So they're about third done right now. Yeah, fifteen to seventeen. Uh Marlon, we got to talk about this kid that committed last week on his visit. Um, now, Mar- now let's let's remember real quickly too. Did since we have been on the radio a little while, Marlon wasn't the only guy who committed last week. Yeah, because Marlon committed on the weekend. During yeah. the week, they got during an the even week they got commit. another. Remember, because we we're talking about. I'm trying to remember. Ty- what? Terrell Bynum? Oh yeah, yeah. But I want to well, get. Let's talk. Or, about, I want to talk yeah. about Tui Peloto, uh because it was such. I don't think. What was I, it? The, I, the Rome and what show? <laughs> yeah. Well, well no, I think I think none of us were surprised when Terrell Bynum announced his commitment. Washington had been one of the leaders. Yeah, yeah. but this came out of the blue, yeah. and when he committed, the reaction out online from the other schools. I've never yeah. seen anything like Well, it's like not it. just the other schools. It's the national recruiting guys. It's the regional recruiting guys. All of them were just like, we what? knew Washington was doing well with him. We didn't know that he was going to commit. And we thought that Oregon or UCLA was eventually going to was eventually going to get him, but they neither one of them did. It was Washington. And we heard the coaches were even surprised and when he yeah. committed I mean, the stories that I've heard, they made sure. Are you sure? Because yeah. if you do this, we don't want you taking other visits. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But tell people about this kid as a player. Well, he's 6'2", 275 pounds. He's out of Central High School down in Independence, uh, Oregon, which is about, from what I've been told, halfway between Salem and Portland, somewhere in that range, uh, halfway. Um, uh, Polynesian family, obviously, you should be able to tell by the name. Um, Polynesian family, the family's very close. They want it. They want him to be relatively close. A lot of people thought Oregon was going to be able to benefit from that. Like Washington has benefited from guys like Danny Shelton, things like that. They, they, they've, and, uh, uh, Benning Potoa E, Sione Potoa, I, sorry, not Potoa E, Potoa I. And, uh, you know, Washington has done really well with them. Well, then Marlon Tui, Tui, Tui Peloto, uh, Tui Peluto, sorry, Tui Pelotu. Tui Pelotu. Yeah, that's sorry. Anyway, I'm trying to get it right. Anyway, uh, he he had been very high on Washington. He had never once met Ikeka Malloy in person. And they had talked on the phone several times, but he had never met him in person. When he came up, Marlon told me, he said, he was just blown away by the family atmosphere, not just of the poly community, which really is big for the Polynesian kids that want to come and be, they really want that poly community. And Washington's got a very good one with Vita Vea, with Benning Potowai, with several other guys on the, on the roster. But it's also the way he was treated by the, the, the team and everything. Like, like we've said, the Huskies, once a guy commits, they treat him like a family. How good is he? He is very good. How good? He is number 14 in the country from a defensive line aspect. I think he's in the top three or four linemen on the D- on the West Coast. He's going to be a defensive tackle, a three technique. He could play some defensive end, but he's a little on the short side, six two. 
So I don't know if you know he might grow another inch, but I mean he's not going to be he's going to be that run plugger guy again. Another kid with offers from everyone. Yeah, he had offers from all over the place. Washington, obviously, UCLA, Oregon, I believe Oklahoma had offered him. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. Um, I, I want to say Texas A and M. I don't have his his thing in front of me, but it, he had a lot of offers. National recruit, very very much so. He's a he's a top one hundred, I think, scout guy. Huge commit, yeah, for Coach Peterson. Yeah, and the like we said earlier, the waves. I mean, there. You know, talking with Brandon Huffman, raised eyebrows on Sunday morning when I saw him at the seven on seven event. We all, we were all at, and and he was just like, that came out of nowhere. And, and th- there are uh, some other guys too. Oh, I, I mean, from what I've heard, the Oregon coaches stunned. Yeah, stunned. Yeah, I mean, that's like you know, you're gonna have the girl go into the prom with you, and all of a sudden, you just found out. She's going with another guy. The problem is, it it was like you didn't call the girl back when she called you and, and when to yeah. go to the prom because, uh, from what I heard, the, his last visit when he went down there to really sit down with the coaches, Brady Hoke paid him very little attention. And I don't think this is a well, he didn't pay attention to me, no. so I don't like them. It's more, hey, if I'm going to go there, maybe you should have some conversations with me. Well, in addition, I don't think this was strictly his decision and him wanting to do it, but he came up with his family and they won mom too. Yeah, and mom doesn't speak English very well. She's she's so, Samoan. True, true Poly. Yeah, true Polynesian and, and doesn't speak English very well. Well, I Ikeka Malloy spent time speaking the language speaking her language to her and and selling her on the family aspect and what they do there the other commitment that uh we kind of <laughs> forgot about you uh, forgot yeah i about. forgot about but that was a huge commit another four-star guy out of california yeah it, and it, the only reason it didn't create waves was because everybody assumed he was going to the university of washington for probably the last month right it's been it's been that way it's Terrell bynum a wide receiver out of st john bosco He's 6'1", 177 pounds. That was what we have him listed at. I think he said he's 180 now. Describe his game. His game, honestly, is a lot like – honestly, you know who he reminds me a lot of when I watch him is Orlando McKay, the way he runs. You know, he's great with the ball in his hands. Um, He can can turn a a short play into a long play. He's great with – He's great in the open field. Does he, he can have make that moves. elite speed? I mean, Orlando he, McKay was an elite. He, he's a speedster. he's a four four five guy. Yeah. He's a sub four five guy. Yeah, might not. I just I'm just saying the way they run, style. the style they 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 okay. they do. Um, you know, uh, Bynum from you know Greg Biggins said this, but I've seen it on his film. If you go watch his film, you'll see the difference. From a high school standpoint, there aren't many guys coming out of high school that are as good a route runners as Terrell Bynum is coming out of high school. He obviously has some things he's got to improve on and get sharper at. But high school, when you're a dominant athlete, it is almost impossible to become great as a route runner because you don't have to be great in high school to be a a receiver. You know, if you're a great athlete, which Terrell Bynum is, you really don't have to work that hard to be a great wide receiver. He has perfected from a high schooler standpoint, the art of running a route. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it, just sends him over the top about how good he could be. Lots of stuff going on with recruiting. We want to make sure that we get to the defensive side of the ball. But people are asking about Henry Bainavalu, Salvin Ahmed, Brandon Burmeister, the quarterback situation. Scott Eklund and his recruiting blog, we break this all down. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're really truly into recruiting and you're a hardcore football, University of Washington football fan, 
Yeah. Check us out at dogman.com mm-hmm. and just not the front page. If you think you're just seeing everything that's going on on the front page, you're not. Yeah. Go to the hardcore football, hardcore recruiting, and the hardcore hoops board, and you will get all the stuff that yeah, nobody I, else around the world. I've broken knows. down the quarterback yeah. recruiting the last two blogs because things have been changing on a weekly basis on where things stand. Brandon Burmeister is a guy that Washington likes, but he's not the one that they want. Yeah. He's not the target. You can find out about yeah. all of that on Scott Eklund's recruiting blogs and, you know, he puts them out every week, mm-hmm. you know, pretty regularly when there's a lot of stuff going on. And we're just getting into the evaluation period after spring ball where the coaches will be able to go out on the roads. So if you want to follow up on all the camps and all the recruiting stuff, a lot of basketball recruiting stuff going on uh, as well. Yeah, there was so, a visitor last week, right? Um, yeah, he committed to Florida State, yeah. though, and that mm-hmm. was um, – uh, Brian Angola. Brian Angola. Yeah. So, but anyways, we break it all down on the forum. So make sure and visit that. When we return, we will break down the defense. Who's jumping out and how good is this defense? It's the guys from dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR. The dogs from dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Your home for college football Saturdays. Dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Sports Radio 950 KJR. It's the guys from Dogman.com. I'm Kim Reynolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We haven't yet talked about the defense, and we've only got one segment left, so we are going to go rapid fire, fire hose in the face, and just get through this. But, uh, Defensive line looks good. Linebackers look good. And I think the secondary has a chance to be as good as any secondary in the country. Oh, yeah. I I don't think there's any question about the secondary. Secondary, I mean, as good as I think Washington's front seven is going to be because of how versatile they are and how many different guys and waves they can throw, the secondary, as long as guys stay healthy, and don't get me wrong, there are some good backups, but if you have all your guys staying healthy, you have three NFLers playing in the in the starting five right and i say starting five just because kevin king is going to start way more games than he's not going to start kevin king is an nfl player and he's going yep. to be, be on the field a lot yep. um sydney jones is an nfl player mm-hmm. buddha baker is an nfl player garden uh, hire i think is borderline he's got that length that you like but i'm i'm not sure if he's quite there athletically well we'll see uh, he's yeah. still got a long time no to go. you're right you're right uh jojo mcintosh i think has really yep. stepped up ezekiel turner he like, looks like an nfl he looks like well, an nfl well. player and the guy that i think just had an outstanding camp and it's taken a big jump and it's going to be a you know two year starter here. Jordan Miller. Yeah, Jordan Miller looks pretty good. And Trevor Walker, I thought, has really played pretty well. At, yeah. Early on, he was one of the best players of the spring. But it's not just the but, talent of the starters, yeah. but there's the good, backups, the, yeah. Yeah. And Brandon Lewis has had a really good spring. But uh Jordan Miller has probably had the hi- the most highlights just because he's had five interceptions yeah. during camp and and always seems to be around the ball. Well, I think yeah. Kevin King's had the most highlights because I think he's I think he's John picked, Ross. I think oh. I think Kevin King has picked off the freshman Daniel yeah. Bridge Gad how many times? Yeah, he picked him off twice in one practice, and then the next that. day he picked him up. Yeah, but but the thing is, Kevin King also got matched up because Sidney Jones hasn't done a lot with the seven on or with the uh, eleven on eleven the stuff. Yeah. So Kevin King has been stuck on John Ross. Not fair. That that's it just hasn't been fair. That isn't Kevin King's game though. No. He's not a guy who's gonna run down the field with you. He's fast, but that isn't what he's gonna do. I mean, his job is to be on the slot guy and just 
pound him. No, and you know, Sidney Jones, I think, is just going to lock it down on one yeah. side, and John Gardenhire, <laughs> I expect him to be Darren. much Darren. Darren. So we're talking, we're talking about the one on ones with guys like King and Ross and those guys. Well, <laughs> Coach Pete just tweeted out that the uh, winners for the scrimmage today for the team get Ezels, the losers get PB and J. So he just said, hashtag, who wants it more? And as long Luke, you missed out. Yeah. yeah, our favorite intern. But um, do we get Ezels? We don't get Ezels. No. We don't get Ezels. But what, what I was going to say is real quick, Kim. You know the name. We talk about the, the the secondary, and they have a chance to be truly special. I mean, they were very good last year, but they they have a chance to be special. The front seven is the one that the fans that go to the game today or the event are going to see the biggest changes because yeah. they're having to replace Travis Feeney. They're having to replace Corey Littleton along that front seven, and then you'll also notice that Joe Mathis has moved into Travis Feeney's old spot at Buck. So now that front three with the nose and the two tackles or the end, now they're going to average over 300 pounds, well over 300 pounds, because you've got Elijah Qualls taking over Joe Mathis' spot. That's about a 70-pound difference right there. You've got Greg Gaines in the middle, like he always has been, and then you've got Vita Vea taking over Tani Tupo's position. He's about 310, 315 right now. And so Elijah Qualls that, is that what, 320? Front, yeah, Qualls is at 320 listed. You've got that front that is so much bigger. So all the fans going out there today, just watch the front and just see how much bigger than they were uh, last year. And last year they were really effective. But then you move back, Mathis, who's at 250 pounds, taking over for Feeney, who is at 230. And then on the other side, you've got Saul Wu Ching, who's about the same size as Corey Littleton was. And you see a, you see a little bit of a difference. I mean, they, they should be just as versatile, but they are much much bigger and then you take a look at number 36 in azim victor and azim told me that last year he played at about 245 and he is down to 227 and let me tell you something azim victor looks fantastic he wants to kill people when he hits them and i i mean that just on the football field but he just he brings an attitude he's kind of that guy who well you love him because he's a prick on the football field, he is an absolute pr- to his teammates. He just he kind of gives guys that extra shove. Flag gets thrown, he throws it back at the referee, which not going well, well, to endure you. Well, he didn't throw he didn't throw back at. He, 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 he threw it in the air. He, uh, he it in well, the air. Coach Pete threw a late, late, late pass interference call that was real borderline. And Pete threw the flag. Azim kicked it back at Coach Pete. Yeah. <laughs> so, but and then yeah. again, I think the guy who's underappreciated is just the guy's just a tackling machine is Keyshawn Bearia. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, uh, yesterday they had the replay of the USC UW game. That was his coming out game, in my opinion. He just was dominant in that game. Had a had couple sacks and and just and. He just looked like that game kind of flipped a switch for him and the rest of the season. Now, he, he hasn't necessarily way. been practicing the last couple of days in terms of team and stuff like that. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how much he plays. But if you don't see him in his place, it's going to be DJ Beavers. So watch out for 15 on defense. So 15 on offense is Darrell Daniels. 15 on defense, DJ Beavers playing at that will spot mm-hmm. behind B area. He's gotten a ton of turns with because the ones ben and twos. Ber- last ben Ber- and also been Ben Burkirvin's been out too. So watch for DJ Beavers, see how he reacts because he's been getting a ton of turns, and he started he started to kind of take that next step. And the other guy to keep an eye on, number seventeen, Tevis Bartlett. Oh yeah, I love Tevis Bartlett. I yeah. I think that guy could be real special at the at the Sam spot, and and uh, and then you got JoJo Mathis at defensive end or at the uh, Buck linebacker spot. You're gonna see 
you could see conceivably along the defensive line three 300-pounders because Vita Vea could play one end, Elijah Qualls could play the other end, and, and Greg Gaines in the middle. And then you throw in um, Jalen Johnson, who's added some size. He's up to 285. 285. You got uh, Shane Bowman, who, who's up 290. 290 now. I mean, Washington's got some size to throw at and depth along that defensive line. I know. Yeah, they haven't had this kind of depth, especially on defense, but this kind of depth in a long time. Chris, tell people what Greg Gaines looks like. Fire hose, <laughs> or no fire hydrant? Fire hydrant. Well, he's yeah. about six one, maybe. Yeah, I think he's maybe listed now at six two. Yeah, but um, you know, I think that's being generous in comparison because okay. they. I mean, Vita Vea is much much taller. But, uh, but he, he's listed at six two three eighteen. He just looks like one of those old school throwback country strong kind of kids. Oh yeah, when, when talking to Lincoln earlier, Lincoln Kennedy, I can envision a Greg Gaines type guy being there right alongside him and just, you know, just duking it out and just you know whatever whatever needed to be done in the middle, doing all the nasty work. That's the kind of thing that Greg Gaines does. Now, of the three, when you look at Gaines and you look at Vita Vea and you look at Elijah Qualls. Gaines is the one that's probably the most position specific. They would want him in the center, pushing up front, taking two guys with him so that Vea and Qualls can absolutely collapse the pocket and then let guys like Mathis and Wu Ching really clean up. It's fun. It's fun out there. And for those going to the game, you know, just uh, Scott, 10 seconds or less. Give players two people, two numbers to keep an eye on out at the spring event today. Boy, uh, 11, because uh, that's Elijah Qualls. I think he's going to be playing a lot of defensive end and offense. Um, I'm interested to see how they use Daryl Daniels. Number 15. Yeah, number 15. Quickly, Chris. Uh, I think offense, Andre Baselia, number 19. And then on defense, we haven't talked about him at all, Buda Baker, 32. Yep. He's been everywhere. And my guy is Chico McClatcher, number 13, because I think Chico's just had an outstanding uh you know, camp. And then uh, number 50, Vita Vea. Keep your eye on big number 50, Vita Vea. Uh, Big thanks to uh, Lincoln Kennedy for joining us. There is so much we didn't even get to today. There is just so much. We will have full coverage of the spring event on dogman.com. We will do the podcast. We will have the video interviews. We'll have the analysis. We'll break down every position. There's a lot of stuff coming up on dogman.com. Make sure you tune in there and the message boards. We'll have it all out there. Again, thanks, Steve Dion, for taking care of us. The Husky Honks will replay that from yesterday. And then at noon, Tony Softley and Curtis Crabtree and talking about the draft coming up. Uh, again, it's the, dog, the guys from dogman.com on Sports Radio 950. KJR. Okay,